Welcome to DNVR Rockies podcast brought to you by Strava Craft Coffee. Remember to use your promo code DNVR25. You'll get 25% off your entire purchase of that CBD infused, deliciously rich, and potentially life altering Strava Craft Coffee. I'm your host, Drew Rockies. With me, as always, is beat writer Patrick Lyons. And on this episode, Patrick, we get to break down what turned out to be an incredibly fun and eventful baseball game uh, at the very beginning of July in the middle of the season between two fourth place teams. <laughs> but all uh, really a, a big night of baseball, of course, the Nolan Arenado stuff, the walk-off homer for Elias Diaz. Uh, who's suddenly raking, but but of course we've got to begin with the Nolan stuff. You were down there at the ballpark. I was not. You were feeling it's one thing to to watch it on TV and, and experience it the way a lot of us did and, and kind of see the emotions and the energy of the moment, but you actually felt the vibes. How were they, good sir? It was. It was. It was something. It was it was really special. I think special is, is definitely the way yeah. to describe it. There were a lot of uh, factors that were at play. I think that helped build things up. You know, we were able to go down on the field and we're now able to talk with players and again build up that rapport that we had for some fun articles and, and things coming up in the in the future, getting to know some of the ball players who've been on the team for quite a while, yet we haven't really talked to them. And so Rockies were down on the field taking batting practice and it got incredibly dark. These, these gray clouds came over. They didn't even have the lights on it at one point. Rockies just barely got in their batting practice and then it rained and then the tarp was out. And then there was discussion over whether they would play or not. And it seemed like they would play, but it was just very dark out and very gloomy. And there were fans there, but there was nothing happening as we were all just kind of waiting for something. And the wait was was so long at that point, by the time we got back upstairs from basically like four o'clock to six thirty, seven o'clock, you know, that's a three hour chunk that your mood and that excitement kind of gets sucked out. And I imagine that was similar for a lot of fans too, when they got to the ballpark, seeing that it was raining, worried that that this big day that they had been, you know, circled on their calendar for, for quite some time since January when the trade went down, wasn't going to happen. And then the heavens, uh, the heavens parted, uh, the seas parted in the skies and it got sunny and you're looking at the scoreboard waiting for the tribute video to come up. You were waiting for Nolan to take the field for the first time since he hadn't come out for batting practice since they had, had shut all that down with the bad weather. And he started out by, by, you know, running out, uh, to center field with a burst of energy. And that was kind of the first time the fans got to see him. That was amazing. There was the tribute video that helped kind of, you know, push forward any kind of doubts that maybe some people had about, you know, how should I feel about this? And the Rockies did a good job of, of tugging at your heartstrings. And it, uh, it, it, it all culminated with that moment when he walked to the plate and it was, it was what was right. And it was what felt good and, and what felt wonderful and it made you feel good, not just about humanity in a sense, but it made you feel good about the the Denver sports fan doing the thing that, you know, very much, you know, should, should have been done. And, and again, uh, anytime two parties kind of go separate ways, 
you know, there's, there's your side, there's my side, and then there's the truth. And it's, it's never, it's never a black and white issue. There's always that gray area in the middle, but for fans to just kind of put that to the side and just say, yeah, you know what, man, you created so many wonderful memories for you. You're a legend. And you know what? We need to, we need to recognize that right now in this moment. Thought for a second there, you were going to go full James Earl Jones field of dreams and, and wrap up with, it reminded us of all that was good and could be again. You know, it was, it, it, but it did, it did remind us of all yeah. that was good and could be again. And, and quite frankly, from a Colorado Rockies community perspective, the entire night went perfectly, right? Everything that about perfectly it was perfect. went yes. perfectly perfect. It, it couldn't have gone it any was. better. Your prediction of the 90-10 the was right. I think you could hear a smattering of booze the first time heavily, heavily drowned out by the overwhelming cheers and emotion and the sustained uh, element to it, how long it went on, how it clearly got to Nolan. It very clearly made him emotional, which again, from an on-field perspective, fantastic. It's tough to hit when your heart rate is, when your heart's in your throat. And there's water and, in and your and eyeballs <laughs> clogging up yeah, your pores. Totally. Like a, a lot of people commented on this and I, I agree. He looked like he was really holding back the tears yeah. and, and good for him and, and good for everybody uh, involved. You know, I, I, I think that it just, <laughs> like I said, it, it went about as perfectly as it the handful of people who did want their displeasure kind of got their say more in the second and third at bats when things were calming down a bit and you could hear a few people you know who wanted to give them a piece of their mind and and that's all fine too but you know ultimately as, as it went down the rockies did a couple of huge classy things this up theoretically i know people thought maybe they wouldn't do the video tribute uh so good on them there and and I know this was pointed out on uh, by Drew Goodman on the podcast and uh, on the not on the podcast on the broadcast uh, as well. But Elias Diaz, long before hitting the walk off home run to cap the night, going out to the mound, making sure that there was absolutely no rush to get Nolan back in there, taking one of his timeouts, one of, a mound visit, which is actually a thing you get charged for now. And they took a mound visit to give Nolan an extra moment and. So the Rockies nailed it in terms of being a class act uh, and, and making sure they did the right thing, however they may or may not feel about how things went down. Nolan, in everything that he said, and you got to go read Patrick's article, I, I think it was the best encapsulation I read of the entirety of the mixed emotions that he must have felt uh, coming into and then, and then during the game and all of that. Uh, but he was a class act with everything he had to say about the fans with him taking off his hat and then acknowledging them and prompting some funny curtain call jokes on Twitter and whatnot, but him acknowledging them as well. He could have stood there, gotten emotional you know, said, thanks, got back in the box, but he, or, or just tipped his cap and got back in the box. He's holding up the bat. He's looking around. It was, it was wonderful, Patrick. It was everything that it should have been. Yeah. I'll, I'll, although I, you know, I, I may have gotten the breakdown. I think, I think you were there too with as far as how many people were, would cheer versus boo. And sure there was an element of there being a lot of Cardinals fans in there, but even subtract them, right? Like <laughs> we can do the math and say, all right, if we subtract that yeah. now, what's the percentage 
still is 90, you know, 90, 10, maybe it was actually more like 98, two. Let's, yeah. let's face it. And I can, I can give you the names off air if you want of those 2% <laughs> of people in the ballpark. Um, but it, it, so it went the way you thought, but again, there are those details that you just never know. Elias Diaz, as you mentioned, like just class act, recognizing that moment, going out to the mound umpire kind of started the, the, the ball and chain there a little bit as he walked in front of the mound. Diaz kind of followed and went a little further, uh, was charged with the mound visit and whatnot. And mm -hmm. you kind of saw this moment, too, if you go back and look where Nolan was like, wow, okay, wow, this was cool. All right, let's go back in the box. And that wasn't it. That wasn't it. And that was because Diaz was still yeah. there, not behind the plate. And the fans were like, no, Nolan, no, no, we're, we're, we're cheering yeah. you. This isn't, a, this isn't any obligatory. And anytime you give someone a standing ovation, it's never obligatory. But it's not right. the basic obligatory, like, oh, if you can do a standing ovation, it's 10, 15 seconds. No, this went on for close to 45 seconds. And so yeah. that's something I hadn't necessarily thought about, that it would go on that long. I would have taken the under on that. If you had said 30 seconds, I probably would have taken the under. I, are you kidding me? I'd kill to have yeah. a 25-second standing ovation once in my right. life. Um, it, it's a long or time. Or even just an ovation once in my life. <laughs> Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, yeah, w when it's just standing and cheering, that's a that's a long ass time. Um, and and Arenado's response I too. And Arenado's yeah. response, like you said, like I would have thought of just a little tip of the cap, maybe just li tip of the helmet lifts off his yeah. head slightly. But it was this thing that you know, um, I I don't know what what made yeah. Arenado feel like I need to hold everything up. Right. Like this is this big thing i maybe he's realizing like hey you know what this is going to be yeah encapsulated in photographs forever and ever so that could be a good job by you know uh his pr person but, but it, it was perfect and it was also wasn't him that was just something that you wouldn't typically see out of him and so i like that he maybe got a little bit out of character you know welled up a little bit in his eyes you could see that look on his face where he almost looked upset he didn't look angry but if you know Nolan's face you're like He's more on the upset side of the spectrum. And yeah. really what it is, it's an uncomfortable side of the yeah. spectrum because the fans were showing him, you know, what he meant to them. And he, he had gone out to dinner with Story the night before he had said uh, during pregame and no one had recognized him. I imagine right. if you're like, you know, you're like, I don't know who that guy is, but that's Trevor Story. Ho-hum. Um, <laughs> so maybe in his head he was going, are they going to remember me? Like, what's going to happen? He also said that like, yeah, I, I'm not really sure why they would – would boo me. Uh, he did, he did say something, uh, like we didn't say that exactly, but when asked if he would get, get booed, but, but still, you just never know what's going to happen in a moment. It's not your choice, right? You could, you can play right. all out like Nolan Arenado did for eight years for a franchise. But at the end of the day, the fans are the ones who decide what you did, if it was worthy of cheering, standing up and celebrating or booing. And then that's that's the right of the fan to kind of right. encapsulate all of that, regardless of how many great things you've done. All human beings are flawed. You think of the, the greatest people of, you know, if you have a dinner with four people and you're like, you want to pick their brains because they are the greatest representation of humankind. They have they are all flawed human beings. They've all made mistakes. And at a different table, they would be booed for those exploits and what have you. And so for that to go down that way, it, it really took Nolan aback a little and saying, and, and he just said to himself, wow, okay, this, this, this is beyond yeah. what I, what I could have expected.
Yeah, yeah, and and I, I think he, I think you're right, and I think it got to him, and then I I think it w- wasn't entirely unrelated that he ended up having a, a bit of a difficult night at the plate because, like I said, it's tough to hit when your emotions are that heightened. Like uh, all hitters will tell you that you basically need this perfect combination of being focused and being relaxed, and I don't know how you can be either of those things in that particular environment. Uh, so. Yeah, it was, uh, like we said, great, great, but extraordinarily well by everybody involved. And then, uh, you know, as Jill said in the comments here, uh, perfect night. He was moved. We won. Uh, and there was the other element, and I saw some people talking about this on Twitter, too, about, um, you know, that, and I mentioned this to Goody, the the vibes in a clubhouse. And the, while the Cardinals are clearly the better organization throughout history and clearly just the better, more talented team overall right now. There were only five games ahead of the Rockies in the standings and they're in the same spot in their division. And you can see how miserable and frustrated they are right now. They got good veterans playing crap defense this year, making weird, dumb errors. They made a couple last night. Um, you know, Dylan Carlson's really their one super fun young player, and he hasn't been super fun quite yet, you know, and the rest of them are just these kind of old veterans who are supposed to be better. And then you've got over on the flip side this, the Lost Boys are, you know, never supposed to be good and we're given up on. And, and I do think, and again, this is, I saw this from Rockies fans on Twitter and lots of different places, like long and short of it was, Nolan didn't want to be here because he didn't think these guys are good enough. And for them to go out and get this big walk-off win, have this huge celebratory energy, and him to look over and be like, man, normally I'd be so excited for a big Brendan Rodgers home run because that would mean that, oh, man, maybe this next step of this thing I was a part of is is coming together. Or I'd be excited for a guy like Elias Diaz and his story and everything that – and I'm sure those guys, you know, they weren't teammates for a super long time, but I'm sure there's a a friendship and a connection there on some level. No one was – had to be happy for – Elias, everybody loves Elias Diaz and, and everything he's gone through and all. But to know, like, you can't go and be a part of this exuberant celebration of the young players and the guys who just contributed to this huge walk-off win and all this fun that this young home team is having, because you've got to go into the somber clubhouse that's pissed that you just got walked off on by a team you should be much better than, and you're continuing to slip out of contention, and this is not what you signed up for. Uh, like, just all of that. At once was kind of mind blowing. Like, yeah, those those are still kind of his boys, but he can't go and celebrate with them. <laughs> you know, the walk off. Like, uh. yeah, it was. Um, it 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 was just it was a good baseball game. Like, it started off a little wonky. Yeah, yeah defense was was questionable uh, at first, and I thought this is going to be a wild one. Cardinals get one in the yeah. second. Uh, Rockies get two in the in the bottom of the second. Cardinals chip away, get back one, and you go. All right, this we got some errors by some uh, Gold Glove caliber players, and this is because there's there's a vibe in the ballpark too. Again, with it being so quiet just before game time with the rain and whatnot, and then all the celebration, the standing ovation is like this. This is going to be one of those games, and and for a while it it stopped being that for the middle portions, and yeah. you got Daniel Bard coming in late, and 
You go, uh, this one. <laughs> I think the Cardinals are going to have this one. And then, you know, talking to some of the Cardinals reporters that, you know, the, their bullpen has been really bad. They've really struggled this year. You know, they've had a lot of injuries to the starting rotation. I think that's been a, a huge piece. Obviously, Jack Flaherty on the aisle. Miles Michaelis was, uh, was a big guy in the rotation. Jordan Hicks, um, who's, uh, you know, a, a reliever that can throw about 102, 103. He's been hurt um, and on the 60-day IL, so they've they've been hurting a lot with those injuries. And you go, all right, well, one of their better guys, Giovanni Gallegos, is going to come in, lock it down in the ninth. We're going to go to extras, and no, that's that's not how it's going down. So, uh, yeah, you're right. Cardinals are are struggling right now, and it's it's uh, it's good timing that the Rockies are kind of on this upswing. Uh, at least at home, right where they just are practically yeah, right. unbeatable, and and the Cardinals, right, are are kind of in this spot where they uh, they're struggling in uh, in in a major way, and we're 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 one game closer to that sweep that we said. What is more likely, the Cardinals sweep or the Rockies sweep? And well, you we wouldn't know. have said it. You wouldn't <laughs> have said it at the beginning of the season. You probably wouldn't even have said at the end of last season before they got Arenado. You go, well, yeah, the Cardinals are going to sweep the Rockies at home because the Rockies play well at home. But you know the Cardinals are just a better overall team. Look at that rotation. And yet here we are, you know, talking about this this magic that the Rockies seem to have at at Coors Field and and how the Cardinals can't really, you know, buy a break other than the fact that Arizona turns up on their doorstep at their stadium for for three days and – they whoop up on them, even though they weren't even that great, you know, throughout that series. But right, you don't have to be great to be the, beat the Diamondbacks. You do have to be great to beat the Rockies right, right now. Uh, pretty much, this is certainly at home. Uh, but, yeah, uh, dive into a couple other elements of that. You mentioned the pitching. Want to talk about Sensatella? But right now, I want to talk about Patrick, our new partnership with our friends at Ball. Very excited about this. Yes, that Ball. Ball Arena, Ball Engineering, you know what's up. Ball, they do the absolute best work. Um, they've got uh, – uh, so th- for those of you who don't know, by the way, it's the aerospace technology company, the world's largest aluminum can and packaging manufacturer, been leading global sustainability efforts for decades. In 2018 and 2019, Ball Aerospace developed – image surveillance systems to observe natural resources from space, methane, ozone, even land and water use. Their ASI, Aluminum Stewardship Initiative, makes it a leader in the stewardship of aluminum while meeting the highest environmental, ethical, and standards within their market value chain. For those of you who don't know what that means and haven't been a part of this Colorado community, knowing them for a while, they're just an excellent member of the Colorado and global community. One of the providers services, the aluminum cans, if you've ever You've got a Breck brew and you've had anything out of an aluminum can. You've probably gotten product from Ball. And they want you to know that right now, and this is absolutely fantastic, they're hiring here in their golden plant. They need more people. They've made over 101 billion cans in 2020. Uh, They're adding to their 400-person plant in Golden uh, because the demand for sustainable aluminum cans is just bigger and, and better than ever. You know, if you're going out there, you're you're drinking your your Breck brew, you recycle it, then goes ends up back at them, repurpose it, boom. You want to be a part of that process and also work for somebody who treats their workers incredibly well. And this is actually something Lindsay could have no way of knowing, but my soon to 
be stepfather-in-law. My fiance's mother's husband uh, has worked at. I'm out. Uh, at I'm out. For, I don't know. For, I don't know what you just said. Yeah, I, I, I can't. <laughs> I'm trying to to figure that. I don't know. But uh, he, my Steve, <laughs> has uh, worked at Ball for decades and loves it. They they treat their workers incredibly well. Uh, they pay usually really really well. So check them out right here in Golden. Go to work at Ball online. You can use that hashtag or you can uh, text GOLDEN to 77222 or you go to jobs.ball.com and search for GOLDEN. That's jobs.ball.com and search for GOLDEN. But seriously, if you're looking to get back out there in the workforce, uh, since DNVR is not actively hiring right now, they are the number one organization that I could recommend working for. Uh they're incredible. I know there are some subscribers that, that work for Ball, actually, who are like, wait, what? We're sponsoring DNVR now? This is awesome. It's like, it's really cool when the, the whole community can come together in that way. Um, all right, Patrick. Mentioned uh, the pitching, wanted to do a similar tip of the cap for Antonio Sensatella that we did for John Gray uh, right before that. Right? You mentioned it early in the game, it seemed like. And, and on the other side, of course. Now, you know Adam Wainwright's got four decades of having pitched in Major League Baseball. You trust that he can, if he gets off to a rough start, tamp it down, figure something out, make adjustments. Sensatella's been a little more up and down, but gives up a couple early runs. Ends up getting a quality start out of it. Again, Talk about how easy it is for stuff to get away from guys. He was dealing with the emotion of everything going on too. He, he was the one who had to pitch to Nolan Arenado, you know, and not just pipe him one and, and let the energy turn the other way if Nolan rips one out of the ballpark in his first at bat. So I thought Antonio Sensatella handled everything exceptionally well. He really did. And, you know, a line I always like to look at when you're, when, you know, you're trying to break down whether or not a, a pitcher had a good performance or whatnot. And again, it's not the be all end all, but it's walks. He yeah. didn't walk anyone. He, he did not give a free base yeah. to anyone. And there are times in which you need to give a free base to a hitter, right? Uh, but right now, as we've been discussing, Cardinals don't really have anybody that's been lights out, right? You've got Paul Goldschmidt batting second because, frankly, you're just trying to get your best hitter some more at bats. And yeah, he's um, and he's been right. okay, but. Less than what Paul Goldschmidt typically is, did give up the, that home run there in the third, and uh, the bottom of, of the course. lineup ended up scoring one on, on the second. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, but you're okay with this scattering the seven hits over seven innings, and 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 giving the Rockies that bit of length, and really matching Adam Wainwright, who you know yeah. uh, outside of that uh, home run to Brendan Rogers, who I'm I'm sure we'll get to how hot he's been. You go, hey, maybe the Rockies have finally figured out. Adam Wainwright, because he's been so good against the Rockies, kind of like, uh, you know, world record good. Because entering this game, or rather since divisional play began in, in, in 1969, Adam Wainwright had a 1.41 ERA against the Rockies. And that was third best all time. And uh, oddly enough, he's behind himself because he had a 1.48 uh, ERA um, against the the Astros too, so he dominates both of those teams. Yeah. And Wild. after the after the second inning home run, he really settled down and, and he gave them some length, which they needed because again the bullpen is spotty at best. So he gets eight innings, but Senzatella yeah, kind of another eight. little notch on his belt. Yeah, he went yeah. eight. Yeah, 
Yeah, you would, wouldn't think. Only struck out four. We've had this conversation. I feel we like we talked about it. About it I said yes, and then I went back and looked at the numbers, and, and I thought they're not mm. as good as you think. And I changed. Well, I knew the numbers weren't going to be great just because pitchers don't have great numbers to begin with. Right. But he had, I think, far too many. Yeah, I think he had far too many injuries throughout his career. Yeah. He would. He would almost need to. Um, you know, for the for the rest of this season, I don't know if he's got one left in him, but almost for the rest of the season, have a Mike Messina esque type season that Messina had in 2019, uh, 2009. Yeah. He went out on top. Um, was was nearly the AL Cy Young Award winner. Won the World Series with the Yankees. Was fantastic in the postseason. You go, wow, that was that was the perfect cherry on top of a, of yeah. a very good career that was maybe a little bit underrated. But Messina got in. I think Wainwright would need to do that to get in. So I did say yes when this was brought up a few months ago. And I've, I've since kind of reconsidered yeah. and gone back it's, and looked and said, I don't know that it's enough. Uh, almost a poor man's John Smoltz who went and was a great starter, uh, yeah. got injured, had to become a closer who incidentally has the record for most uh, career wins in a single season and career saves in Atlanta's history. And again, this is a team that played in Boston in the early 1900s. Right. right. Um, I don't know that Wainwright has got it done, but mm. still, when you're in the Hall of Very Good and you, He's so a, when you, yeah. when you run down those names of like greatest pitchers of the 2000s, you say his name. And even if he's not in the Hall of Fame, it doesn't matter. You are going to remember him he's and bring him up. Yeah, he's he's going to be on the list. I'll tell you who's not making that distinction one way or the other today, and that's Brendan Rodgers. Not making that distinction. He's telling all of his friends he hit a home run off a Hall of Famer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, look, man, this guy. But um, no, let's uh, let's talk about Brendan Rodgers a little bit because he didn't just hit a two-run home run on a, a rare hanger from Wainwright, unless he really was trying oh. to sneak one in at the top of the zone. That was just not where you're trying to throw a curveball. It was so bizarre to see him Clobber. do that. Um, and, and, but it was blasted. I, I will say that when it happens, I would bet seven out of 10 times. That just surprises the hell out of whoever's at the plate. Cause you're not expecting a ball to go from your eyes to the top of the strike zone, but rock never bailed on waited and absolutely obliterated the thing. But I thought he had great at bats all night. He almost took him deep. Another time he had a hard yeah. line out the third drew a walk late in the game. So it wasn't just the homer for me. I thought Rogers maybe took the best at bats of anybody for either team. Uh, you know, we'll talk about Diaz in a minute. And that wasn't honestly, wasn't a great at bat, great swing, but Rogers, man, who starting to, I, I got a lot of messages last night from people saying, okay, Drew. Okay. I'm in. I, I've, I've been out. I wasn't there. I'm in on Brendan Rogers now. It's, it's going down right now. It is, it is absolutely going down with Brendan Rodgers. And we could get into the deb debate whether he blasted it or clobbered it. I think he clearly clobbered it more than blasted it. But you know what? We'll, we'll talk that off air in our, our Slack and the Discord. You can vote on that. But, you know, you, you, you understand. You begin to kind of understand why Ryan McMahon has dropped to the seventh spot in the order. And, yeah, he just hasn't been that effective. But it's also been a lot about Brendan Rodgers doing what he's been doing and doing it towards the bottom of the order where you go, ah, maybe hit him second, give him a little protection for story. And you say, he doesn't need it. He's, he's able to do it. If you go right now and on fangraphs.com and you sort through, right? It's actually very easy. And you just go custom date range. So from June 2nd 
to today, you can get all of the leaders in wins above replacement. You go ahead and do that from June 5th, not June 2nd, June 5th to today, you're going to see Brendan Rodgers right at the bottom of that list at number 30, the 30th best player since June 5th of all of the players on all of the teams wow. in the one Major League Baseball. Yeah, he's one win uh, above replacement. Been 338, 425 on base percentage, 632 slugging. Um, strikeout rate, 17 and a half. Okay, that's fine. Walk rate at 11 uh, percent, which is, nice. which is really solid. He's got all his five home runs in that span. A lot of them coming on the road Same. and uh, he's, yeah, he's kind of like quietly done the thing, you know, like, like chipping away, like again, on the road, you know, we talked about, you know, they went one and five on the last road trip yeah. in Seattle and Milwaukee, but they, they looked competitive and, you know, you go one for three and then, you know, over two or over three with a walk, you're like, eh, that's that's ho hum, but it's a lot better than going over three and over four, which is what a, a, you know a lot of guys will, will tend to do over time. And so Rogers has been ready to break out. And if you actually go back and, and and you listen to the the Drew Goodman podcast, there was a moment when he was talking to Goody and he was said he almost said something like, "I'm about to break out," but he, yeah, he kind of like, like pulled back the language. He pulled back the language of like, "Oh, hold on, this is going out publicly. I'm not talking to one of my buddies." And was like, I'm a, you know, I'm ready to, ready to, you know, continue to hit the ball hard, and I'm feeling good. And he gave you that taste, and he gave you that inkling. And you're right, he just missed um, on that ball in in uh, in the sixth inning, where it was, it was the same thing. It was a hanging curveball, I think, and he hit it right to the warning track to left field, and uh, O'Neill grabbed it. But he yeah. is, um, he's been really exquisite. I'm, I'm okay with leaving him. Where he's at in the order, I think the sixth spot is is really solid for right now. You don't need to necessarily mess anything up. You know, a month is is great. You know, a little less than a month is is great, but he's got to continue to do it a little bit longer. The lineup is fine as it is. You know, they're they're winning ball games at home. Maybe they try something different on the road, but you don't necessarily need to rush anything. He's doing it. They're batting sixth, batting seventh, and. Uh, it, it's it's been exciting, and, and Buddy even talked about it after the game, where I, where I kind of asked him about it, and he's just getting more comfortable. And we forget too that, you know, he said oh, you're cherry picking with June fifth. Well, he only had come off on the IL about two weeks prior, so he had missed so much time again for injuries, and that's, you know, that's that's what kind of hampers David Dahl. And you go, ah, oh, but he's hurt, and okay, well he's healthy now. Let's see what he can do. And now yeah. here after coming back. Uh, recovering, getting his health back, getting somewhat regular starts because he isn't starting every single day. Not every single day. But he's done a good job. Yeah, right. he's managing it. Hey, McMahon, go, at, go over at second. We'll start Fuentes at third base. Hampson, you get a start at second base. Daza, you're in center field. Or Daza, you're in left field. Toppy, you get the night off, which we saw last night. So right. he's mixing and matching, and it's Brendan Rodgers has been benefiting that uh, from that really well. And you're starting to see that you know, he's got the hit tool and the power stroke is really starting to come along right now for him. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's had a couple of iffy defensive plays, but he's also shown you some yeah. pretty fantastic athleticism defensively. He made a really nice turn in the ball game last night, uh, going to his left, spinning back across to start the double play. We've seen him make that spin throw look super athletic and fire so that, you know, Trevor's either got to come off the bag and accept just one out. Sometimes they don't get the first one. He's, he's messed that throw up a couple of times. He was right on the money last night. Uh, so, you know, him getting more reps out there, seeing that kind of, but yeah, man, just watching the growth of, 
of Brendan Rodgers. And, and again, you know, to the big narrative stuff in that one for he who was, you know, frustratingly didn't come along quite as early as a lot of people wanted to and was always a big part of that question, right? He was the captain of the Lost Boys, the reason why I, I did the whole thing about these are the guys who can help this team and it was a belief no they can't and that's a big part of why nolan left to see him get a home run on that particular game I was like well we'll find out we'll see uh, some some folks efren and mark here in the comments saying uh, this th that may we may look back on that and actually see that game as the start of the brendan rogers era uh, as you pointed out it's maybe been going for a couple of weeks that may be the kind of spark moment we look back on and say it kind of started to become more brendan rogers team when he took Adam Wainwright deep in Nolan Arenado's return, that's that's big league stuff. Yeah, on on paper, that that could be the way it goes in the clubhouse. Not necessarily. Again, he's, no, he's twenty four years old. He's one of the still, youngest guys on the team. Kid. Yeah, <laughs> right. The, the, for the narrative, yeah, that's how that goes. And again, this is a little bit of everybody's team. You know, Charlie's right. the Charlie's right. the big brother, and who just kind of does his thing, and you look up to him and. And that's that, but he kind of he keeps his nose out of your business because you're a little kid and he's the big brother and he doesn't really care about all that. But uh, you know, it's uh, they're they're looking for the next leader, right? And they've they've kind of been a little bit since Cargo and and Para moved on um, after the 2018 yeah. season. They were really kind of looking for that guy, and and so now this has been a, a real group effort. And they're they're all doing their part. They're all kind of leading by example and and taking the reins at different different points where you don't necessarily know who it's going to be on a night in night out basis. The addition of CJ Crone I think has been really helpful to see them and uh, and and even even Matt Adams just seeing him around where you go all right it's just another veteran guy because again you know Matt Adams right now is on the IL yeah. but you know he's who is he really taking the spot up and he, Connor Joe was like the one guy and. You, you could say Sam Hilliard, but at the same time, Sam needs those at-bats down in AAA. He's doing well. Um, he'll eventually get his opportunity at some point, but he's an outfielder, and the entirety of the Rockies outfield is, is really healthy right now. So those veteran guys have been really good you know, additions to the team uh, while you know the, the next crop of guys figure out who's going to be a leader. And it doesn't even have to be a leader on the, fi on, on the field, too. I was – talking with one of the reporters from St. Louis last night and the name Tony Walters came up I'm like, where is he kicking around? That's actually confessed. I don't know. Uh, he was at Pittsburgh and things with the Cubs and he got thrown out at home plate. Looked, looked a little funny doing that. And I don't know where he's at now. Right. Yeah. But Walters became this almost, um, he yeah. wasn't the de facto leader, but he became a leader in the clubhouse where yeah. the pitchers were talking with him and he would kind of almost do it behind the scenes because there was nobody in the front of the picture, you know, taking full charge. And that's okay. Right. You don't necessarily have to have that. But Walters was this guy, and he wasn't doing it on the field. He wasn't doing it statistically, but he was doing it a little bit behind the scenes, right. and that's okay. And so, you know, I think you're seeing a little bit of, of, of a lot of different guys kind of taking those, you know, micro leads, you know, they're micro leaders, you know, behind the scenes a little bit. Um, but that's that's okay. You want them to lead on the, on the field. I think sometimes that maybe is – more important, like for everything you can say about Nolan Arenado, maybe not being a, a leader in the way that Troy Tulowitzki may have been or Carlos Gonzalez, he led on the field. And you go, well, shoot, that 
that you can't buy. That counts that's for something, stuff too. Yeah. Yeah. That's something that you can't, you know, manifest, but you can go out and get a veteran who can be a leader and do those things who on the field, they're not really doing much of anything. But, yeah, um, those, so you'd rather have the guy on the field be the sure. leader more than anything. And so but, it's yeah. great to see Rogers leading in that. You need capacity. them both uh, for sure. Yeah. And, you yeah. know, and yeah, and I, and I totally agree. It's going to be, Interesting, especially watching how Charlie evolves in that role because it looks like he's probably going to be the one guy who is here for, for quite a while moving forward. One other big piece of the game last night that we do have to talk about, but of course we've got to mention our friends over at Solace Meds. Solace Meds has some of the best herb you have ever seen, smelled, tasted in your life. They're absolutely fantastic stuff. Uh they are. They, they, they got one right over by the DNVR bar. They got one in Fort Collins. They got one in Wheat Ridge. And uh, where's the other? Wheat, Fort Collins, Wheat Ridge. Oh, Broadway. one off of Broadway. There. Yeah, the one off of Broadway. They're doing a huge July 4th sale. Buy three, get your fourth product for 10 cents on the entire store. You guys, that is an incredible deal they got gummies they got resin cartridges they got concentrates they got cones they got pre-wraps they got anything and everything you can think of all different kinds of price ranges whether you're trying to go super luxury and treat yourself or you're just trying to get as much as you can bang for your buck and if you head to their wheat ridge location you can get a free solace bar or king cone when you mention the code dnvr20 which other just get you 20% off. But yeah, that free Solace Bar or King Cone down at the Wheat Ridge location. You can also order online at solacemeds.com. And again, do not forget to use promo code DMVR20 to save 20% off. Get out there, celebrate in style, uh, obviously safely as well. And get suspended from the Olympics for doing it. I'm more irate, by the way, about that story than anything that's ever come across the Colorado Rock. Anything that's ever been talked about on this podcast that wasn't real life stuff, I am more mad about the Shikari Richardson thing. Just in case when people wonder if you've ever felt like you've seen me emotional or irate about anything going on with the Rockies, it is dwarfed in comparison to how I feel about the Shikari Richardson story. Just so you know, that's embarrassing. Uh, anyway, <laughs> yeah, we need to get on the same page with all that for sure. It's, but it's not what we talk about on this podcast, but we do have a great sponsor that has great product for you. And no one should feel like they're doing anything wrong for participating and celebrating responsibly. Do go out, have some some fun this uh, 4th of July holiday. And if you're going to have a certain kind of fun, you might want to make sure you're manscaped, fellas. Just take care of the situation down there. It's 2021. There's no excuse not to be manscaped at this point. Uh, you need to take care of yourself. You need to take care of whoever's taking care of you. You need to get that right. And you don't want to cut or nick yourself. I mean, you don't want it to be a hassle. Nobody wants that. you got to get that performance package 4.0. The lawnmower 4.0 trimmer is insane. Dare I call it the goat of ball trimmers? Yeah, I dare call it the goat of ball trimmers. That's what I'm saying. They got the best product for you. They'll take care of your downstairs, your family jewels, help you smell better, help you feel better. Everything is better when you're manscaped, especially in the summertime. Fellas, I'm 
It makes a difference. I'm telling you, you get 20% off plus free shipping when you use promo code dnvrmanscape.com. Again, 20% off and free shipping with code dnvr at manscaped.com. Escape the shrubs and weeds this summer and shine with Manscaped. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's too hot for all that business. Like, it just lower your body temperature. How about that one? Let's go scientifically. Man, <laughs> cool off out there. Uh, well, I'll tell you someone who's not cooled off, someone who's super hot, someone who I hope is manscaped because otherwise he's too scorching hot. And that is, in addition to your heater on DraftKings Sportsbook is, of course, our guy, Elias Diaz, who, and in the fun note handed down from Rocky's PR last night that, that I saw all y'all. Oh, re- yes. Let him know. Let him know. I just, you can't, baseball is the best nope. thing. It is the best thing because if this happens in WWE, you just go, oh, very clever, Vince, or, you know, and, and but you cannot script this. Elias Diaz with the walk-off homer became the first player to hit three home runs in a game for the Colorado Rockies since three consecutive games, three consecutive games, three cons- home runs in three consecutive games since Nolan Arenado. You can't <laughs> come on. Uh, how poetic is that? Yeah, the guy that that extended the moment by walking out to the mound for Arenado to have that couple extra seconds, which is in uh, which is a lifetime when you're getting a standing ovation like that, goes out and does it after homering against his former club, the Pirates, earlier this week in back-to-back games. Even before that really starting to break out a little bit in Milwaukee. He's got a five-game hit streak going, and you're finally starting to see that thump. Um, and, and, and why the Rockies you know, did move on from Tony Walters, get, give him another mention, um, and why they, they felt like you know, the, the combination of Diaz and Nunez uh, is, is going to be fine, right? They don't necessarily have to be world beaters, catchers. That's really not their job. Uh, but, but Diaz is he's kind of taking the starting role uh, from from Nunez, who it seemed like he was maybe getting a lot more starts for a period of time, and now it's it's Diaz, and 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 I, I understand why you could say like, yeah, but Nunez is going to be the future, and he's you know younger, and he's maybe has more projectability. Well, sometimes you know maybe Nunez just needs a break. Maybe he needs to to step away from you know striking out yeah. twice a game or just being overmatched, and just hey, just it is hard being a catcher. Uh, at, at any level, right? You just get beat up. Yeah. So you know what? All right, if Diaz is kind of the, the hot bat a little bit and is working well with Senzatella and Marquez, which clearly he is, then go then go with him and let Nunez kind of figure it out and say, all right, man, I got I to gotta get it together. I got to figure out what I'm doing at the plate so I can take the next step because he's he's struggling a little bit. And he'll get it back. And, you know, this – uh, make, making a change like this towards towards Diaz getting more of the starts isn't um, this finite thing that says, all right, well Nunez is never going to get another opportunity again. He'll he'll always be the backup, getting you know starts only only two of the the five days that the starters go. No, it's just temporary right now. And and Diaz has been has been absolutely raking, and it's out of the eighth spot too. So you got the pitcher spot coming up after you, right? You know the, the opposing pitcher knows, like, yeah, I can get yeah. away with some things here, and maybe I, I get to extend junk. the strike zone, yeah. yeah. Um, and because I got the pitcher next, and then that's going to be uh, an easy out. Yeah. And yet, no, Diaz has uh, has been doing the damn thing and, and looking great. And you say again, it's it's 
it's another guy that's stepping up and you're going, all right, cool. Who's it going to be tonight? And it was, it was Diaz for the, the first time since the cousin. And yeah, you, you can't make things up. Stranger than fiction. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we've made some reference to it. I'll send people. I, I, I believe this is the first time that I've ever done this, but whatever good reporting is good reporting. I'll send you to Bleacher Report. Hey, it is what it is. I've never done it before, but whatever. It's a, an excellent article from Timothy Rapp. Uh, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. In 2018, uh, that details uh, back when Elias was with the Pittsburgh Pirates and his 72-year-old mother at the time was kidnapped and held for ransom. And it was this horrible, horrible ordeal that you know, he had to go through and, and, and we never want to see anything like that. So, you know, when we talk about what he's had to go through on in, in the last several years, and then, um, you know, as, as we've talked about, like catching one of the toughest jobs in all of pro sports, hitting a baseball, one of the toughest things to do in all of pro sports. And Diaz was really hoping for some new life with the Rockies when he came over from Pittsburgh uh, wasn't exactly sure how he was going to work in that first year with it being a shortened year. Uh, Rockies trying to get everything they could out of still thinking they were relevant and, and not taking chances on guys, really using them as a backup. It emerged late in the season that he was the only catcher they had who could make contact with the baseball. So then there was some good feeling about, hey, this guy's maybe got a future as a quality hitter, uh, maybe nice little piece in the Rockies' future. They show up at spring training this year, and he just – doesn't have it. He's got nothing. He goes out last the first year, couple of months of the season. Doesn't last have year too. He he showed up late too um, to summer With camp. The, yeah, because he had some visa issues, and so he was there a little bit late, and so it took him a while to kind of get going. And so that's why you we're know you didn't see mix. quite as many starts, and and people were kind of ripping their hair out, going, "Drew Buteras is catching again." And uh, all right, well, yeah, it is what it is. But those things can can happen, and. Coming from Venezuela, where unfortunately, yeah, there are those stories of, of you know, family members getting kidnapped and ransom and, and assassinations and all kinds of crazy things that nobody should ever have to deal with, uh, yeah. regardless of your profession or regardless of how much money you make and, and whatever. But yeah, he's been able to kind of overcome those things. And and you're right, yeah, he hasn't really had it all year, and yet the Rockies stuck by him. Um, Partially, yeah, they don't have any necessarily better options, but they also knew what they were getting out of him. And their expectations was as such that, look, if you can keep the starting pitchers on track, then you you are giving us the value that that we want. Like we're okay offensively kind of just, just flushing that down the drain. And a lot of teams are, um, but a lot of teams yeah. aren't getting, um, you know, the, the, the half of, of, of the tandem that you, you, you get of the battery. Um, from from Diaz as, as a catcher, and you see how great the starting pitching has been this year. And Elias Diaz definitely, along with Dom Nunez, does deserve credit for that. Yeah. Our guy Mark correcting me in the comments. You're absolutely right. I was mixing up his spring trainings from last year and, and Patrick alluding to it there as well with him showing up and, and really having a bad one last year. Diaz and Nunez were both excellent during spring training this year. It was once the regular season got underway. Uh, Diaz kind of went immediately into a slump. And as Patrick alluded to there, Nunez started out so hot, but he had to start him. Mean, he hit five home runs in the first like 20 games of the season. Yep. And it was, you know, he was among rookie leaders and RBI and homers and slugging and all 
all this stuff. You had to keep throwing your, especially because Diaz was slumping at the same time too. And the worst way to get out of a slump is not to play. Uh, so just a couple of weeks ago, you know, I, I was seeing a lot of people asking, why is Diaz even here still? Just get rid of this guy. Just call up whomever. This guy's just dead weight on the team. He's, and you can understand looking at the numbers. He's in like a, a buck 20, uh, you know, with in, with a couple of home runs until this recent stretch uh, that, that were, were pretty forgettable. And, and you understood it. But then you remember the human element of the game, right? The real human element, the other side of it, which is that sometimes guys – Takes him a minute to to get back into it and show you, yeah, no, I, I still am the hitter that you thought I could be coming into the year. I didn't have it for the first couple of months. And now we'll see. Maybe he is, maybe he isn't. Both of these guys are going to continue, I think, to battle for time behind the plate there. Uh, you can't just bury Nunez at this point either. The same way you, it didn't make any sense to give up on Elias Diaz, it doesn't make any sense right now to give up on Dom Nunez, especially in a season like this. Keep seeing what you've got. Because maybe next year, after having gone through all this experience, they end up being what Patrick and I thought they had a chance to be this year, a very quality catching tandem for this team. You see the potential there in both players. They just, neither one of them has put it all together for themselves or the two of them, you know, as, as a unit, as a catching unit. Yeah, Diaz becomes a free agent after next season. So, you know, he, he probably now, because he, he's got this value as, as one of the hottest players uh, in, in, in the game right now, not just as a catcher, but uh, he's really find, found that uh, that hit tool and that power stroke, but um, becomes a guy where you say, hey, maybe you can get something out of him, and that's true, and you think, okay, you know, because he, he has that uh, one uh, additional year of control, I don't really think you're going to get a lot for him, and that's okay, like, you know, CJ Chrome, we'll see what happens when uh, the offers start rolling in. You might not get a lot out of him. Um, and that's okay. You, you, you are not get a, you might not get a lot for him. And I think that's okay. But with the difference between someone like Crone and Diaz is that Diaz is, is working with the pitching staff. So, you know, Crone is just giving you some kind right. of offense, um, you know, the veteran leadership. So, all right, you can still have Matt Adams sticking around as, as that veteran guy if you will. Um, and again, you're going to get better defense with Fuentes over there anyway, uh, mixing and matching Connor Joe, you know, giving him a little bit more of a chance, figuring out what's what, whereas with Diaz, you know, first off, there's, there's really nobody else that's ready. You know, um, the, the reports I've heard, I heard out of AAA with Robago and, and Brian Servin, Brian Servin more. So I think he's having a, a better year. He's kind of, kind of past Robago on the, on the death chart. Um, uh, but you, you want to have a, a guy with a lot more experience. Don Nunez, a rookie can't be your most veteran catcher, right? Right, uh, right. With with a with a guy who's yet to make his debut, then coming up, so that's not a good situation, uh, especially when you've got a, a starting rotation that you know you know needs that help and and that support. They're they're fine on their own. I, I think they would be fine with rookie catchers, but you don't yeah. want to lose that momentum, right? You yeah. don't lose that momentum that they've had. So I actually think Diaz has more value on the Rockies than he does as this trade chip that brings yeah. in somebody else. Unless, unless you know, another team says, look, we'll give you our AAA catcher. Or, or, or if you think Jose Briseño can do the job. And then, then maybe, you know, then maybe you actually could get away uh, with that. So, you know, it, it would be uh, kind of funny to, to find out when we get to the ballpark today, you know, that he was traded uh, or, or, or even this weekend he gets traded and people throw their hands. Oh, well, he was just getting good. He was just getting hot. And, 
Right. Well, yeah. hey, you gotta you gotta strike while the iron's hot, and they they ended up bringing in someone that you know may be nothing, or it could end up being a, a really valuable piece to the organization going forward. Um, these are kind of the decisions that you know interim GM Bill Schmidt and, and Dick Monfort need need to make about the the future of of the franchise and kind of you know balancing the the present for the the future and, and whatnot. So um, it'll be interesting to see what they do with Diaz, but I would I would tend to think they're they'll end up holding on to him rather than uh, dealing him away. Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, Mark talking in the comments about Willie McIver and Drew Romo, the, definitely the most exciting high-end guys. And and McIver has only more recently become kind of he, – he's been considered a very solid, more organizational player. He's only starting to pop a bit as maybe a prospect here in the last uh, year or so. Obviously, Romo was was a bit – but those guys are farther away um, either way. You know? Yes, and for not catchers, do not move quickly. Yeah, there's there's so much behind the scenes. Like you just you you just don't like if you ever see a top 100 prospect that's a catcher. Cool. Like it it doesn't don't get too excited. Yes, Adley Rushman, we see you. Uh, and you know, William McIver actually will he'll be at Coors at the Futures game. You know, for anyone that didn't yeah. get a chance to see him down in spring training, you know, he was uh, one of those depth guys that was uh, catching Rockies pitchers, but. Uh, McIver did just get promoted to Double A, and you think, "Whoa, what if he? What if he's you know hitting the cover off the ball in Hartford?" That's okay because that's not the that's not the element of the game that he needs to work on and develop. Right. That's not the element that essentially any catcher needs to work on right. and develop. So that's not going to happen. Same thing with Romo. He's down in Low A, and it's going to be next year. He'll be with Spokane and in, in High A. In 2023, he'll be with Hartford. In 2024, he'll be with Albuquerque. Almost no matter how well he's doing at the plate, right, right, that's pretty much rush. the timetable. Yeah, yeah, and that's and that's why. Back to your point, I think you you hang on to Diaz for at least for now, and and if he does turn it around with the stick a little bit, maybe you look at keeping him past next year. Even if again he's not giving you a ton, you look around the league at at catchers and and the production or whatever. It'll you know it'll be interesting to see where he finishes by season's end or where the Rockies catching tandem really stacks up. Uh, Cause I know sometimes it feels like, God, these guys just cannot hit, but most people feel like that about their catchers. <laughs> yeah. And that, that could be, that uh, could like be, a, no one likes their seventh inning reliever either. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Rockies might even try to target a, a catcher in a, in a trade as like almost like a throw in, sure. you know, if, if, if they come in a swap, like, all right, what are you looking for? Who do you want as like the third piece or whatever? You know, maybe you, you take a flyer on a, a guy in, in double a or, or triple a um, yeah. that you think, look, this, this guy's going to be a backup catcher, but Hey, we kind of need that because uh, obviously you're waiting for Romo as, as the top catching prospect overall, but he's, you know, three years away. Willie McIver, yes, maybe, but still, you don't expect to see him. You know, as even as early as next September, is is possibly rushing things. So you're still waiting for that next guy, and you go, all right, yeah, let's take a little flyer on on this because you have that gap. Again, Cardinals are in the similar situation. Talking with one of their uh, beat reporters, where are they going to make a trade? Like, what's the deal? Why have they been struggling? And they just have this gap, and the Rockies have that gap with. You know, from from not getting anything out of the 2016 draft with with Riley Pine and uh, Robert Tyler and 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 2017 not having a, a first round pick at all because they ended up signing 
uh, Ian Desmond. So they, they lost that. So that's, you know, two years right there where you can really, you know, um, help flesh out your, your organization in 2015. Wasn't that great either. Um, outside of Rogers and Lambert, you really weren't getting anything at the back end. So there is this gap, uh, right now for the organization, uh, in regards of, of prospects. It's one of the reasons why we've so frequently been talking about this idea that, you know, keeping Matt Adams and CJ Crone and, and some of these veteran guys around isn't the worst thing in the world because there just aren't those young guys to really supplant them. There, uh, there are young guys, but they're, they're not ready or they're just not, you know, really major league caliber players. And you don't, you never want to put a guy in a situation like that where they're not really ready to be successful and um, to continue their growth. You know, they need to make that growth in the minor leagues. And right now at Hartford and in AAA, there's a, there's a major gap. You look at the rosters in, uh, in, in low A and high A at Fresno and Spokane respectively. Those are really good teams. Those, those are really good teams. The win loss record, don't worry about that quite as much. Uh, you, you never want to look at win loss records when it comes to, to minor league teams, but the talent there is, is, is much bigger at the lower end, whereas in the higher end, not so much. So that, that could be some of, you know, what you see um, before the trade deadline is, is the Rockies kind of just targeting almost bodies that can be future lost boys in a sense. I think you saw with Jamison Hanna, who's doing all right at, at Hartford and you say, Oh, we kind of, again, while we wait for Bretton Doyle and Zach Dean, we're going to need some other guys in the outfield. So Jamison Hanna, again, might be a third, fourth outfielder type guy, but you need those pieces. And, and we'll end up seeing him possibly next year or in 2023. And so um, that, that could be part of what comes back in a package of a trade is, is a catcher that's at that's double A AA or triple A ready, um, you know, or, or, or some other bodies that, again, aren't going aren't gonna to get you too excited but are going to be needed for uh, the organization to move forward and be somewhat competitive and, and, and to fill some of those roster spots um, and give them, give them a chance. Yeah. I mean, I, I think uh, there, there was a report in the last couple of days from Thomas Harding uh, that also backs up exactly what you're saying about how it's likely that the, that'll be the element, the area of the farm system that the Rockies are going to target the most, the double A, triple A kinds of levels. And unless you're talking about, a return for Trevor's story, then you're really not looking at the Rockies taking top prospects out of anybody else's system in a trade at this deadline anyway. And so, you know, kind of going for those guys, particularly if you could find some interesting relievers, which I know is never like an exciting thing, but a you trade CJ Crone for a lefty who's got nice numbers in AAA, but he's had to be uh, converted into a bullpen. You know, it was a nice prospect a couple of years ago. Shine came off as a starter, but he's been really good as a reliever since. You get that guy for a C.J. Crone or a Michael Givens or or whomever, you know, I think you've made your team better, even if it's not something that gets people really excited, at, you know, some position player prospect with a little bit more buzz or something like that. Uh, grabbing and, and a catcher, you know, who may end up being a backup guy would, would fit similarly into that category but somebody that you absolutely are going to need especially if as we talked about with with goody and as i've said many times before the plan is to build around this group of starting pitchers then those are guys you're going to need to as you just put it give yourself a chance uh because you can't have a bullpen this bad (laughs) right you just can't have a bullpen this bad if you're starting pitching and your home play is going to be this good Uh, somebody pointed out 
on Twitter. I think the Rockies are 20 and four over the last 24 home games. And two of those four losses were blown saves against the Brewers that were very, very winnable baseball games. <laughs> like and the talking. other two were against the Reds. That, in, that's, in, that's in, I think two games that I, I don't know if the Rockies had a lead, but it, it sure as sure as heck seemed like it. You know, they were yeah. in those games scoring runs, but again, the pitching and, and, and the and the bullpen really, really coughed it up. Yeah. So, you know, you you throw a couple of quality relievers in and you, you never know. But yeah, it's it's gonna be interesting. We'll obviously keep our eyes on all that. The rest of this series should play out interestingly. Look, the cards can still come back, take three and kind of put the Rockies in their place, as it were, or the Rocks can go ahead and sweep this damn thing and put a nice little interesting question mark into the air about maybe we're not quite the scrubs that everyone should want to get away from and, and at least take a little something out of this year that has otherwise been been beaten down the Rockies community pretty bad. Uh, this week's had a couple good ones, though. The near no-no from Herman Marquez and getting a welcome Nolan back in the right way and then walk off on his ass. Perfection. You got to love sports, ladies and <laughs> Uh, and you know, and 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 it's kind of getting me hyped up a little bit here. Um, with again, how how well the the Rockies have been playing uh, over the last few weeks, particularly at home this week. You, you you hope that they can keep keep that mojo going. They do travel to Arizona. Hey, there's a good road trip that you might be able to kind of get off the schneid a little bit, and then ho hum, it's the All Star break and the All Star game right here in town. So. It, it, you know, for, for a, a somewhat of a lost season, you know, where the, the organization is still trying to figure out where they want to go and, you know, maybe doesn't necessarily have a, of a plan uh, of attack. Doesn't matter. If you're a baseball fan, you are here in, in, in Colorado and in Denver. This is a, this is a good time. This is a fun time. This is a memorable time. And uh, the Rockies are providing a lot of enjoyment, I think, for yeah. all of us. Yeah, so stay tuned with us. Make sure you're subscribing to the DNVR.com. Like I said, Patrick published a banger today. If you want to go in and read all of Nolan's comments about the entire experience and, and kind of relive it again, you got to subscribe to the DNVR.com. Go and read that. Of course, you get access to all the written content. You get to come hang out with us in the Discord channel. You get constant discounts. You get a bigger beer down at the DNVR bar. And you just get to be a member of the family. Don't you want to be a member of the family? <laughs> so do, do become one to read all that stuff. Uh, keep following along with us. We do appreciate each and every single one of you for continuing to listen. Make sure you're following on social media. At Patrick D. Lyons, at, at Michaela E. Perkins. Don't forget to follow her. And at DNVR underscore Rockies. We appreciate each and every one of you for listening into this episode of the podcast. Keep being absolutely awesome baseball fans out there. And we will keep being absolutely Patrick Lyons and Drew Creaseman in here. And until next time, we will see you at the ballpark.